Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the laughter. <laughs> the heroes. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters. And the honesty. What's up, Norm? My nipples. It's freezing out there. <laughs> because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And with just a few weeks left in 2014, I guess it's time we finally continue our series on the greatest albums of 1984. Ah, that's just a classic. And nobody agrees with that more than our guest of honor today, Dr. Dim. May May I call you doctor? Absolutely, Steve. Doctor? Doctor. Doctor? Doctor. 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 And Doctor. Well, we miss anyone? And it wouldn't be a podcast without our good friend and my future 80s cruise bunkmate, Brad in L.A., or as I like to call him... Oh, boy, Poloy. Me love you long time, podcast. (laughs) I bet that's one movie that will not be showing in the cabins is... uh, Full Metal Jacket. That just doesn't probably set, not. Doesn't, doesn't really say the, vacation, does it? No, nothing says vacation like a Vietnam movie. You little scumbag! I got your name. I got your ass. So uh, it's been a long time since we kicked off this series. We we did it last year a couple times, and basically the concept is, you know, we gather here today to honor albums that are turning thirty years old. We're not we're not ranking them. We're not saying these are the best. We're just saying these are our personal favorites. We will each tackle one, um, and maybe, maybe we'll get around to doing this one more time before the year's over. We'll just see what the kind of outrage. Uh, we've had so much content this year, Steve. It's not that we don't love right. the albums of '84. It's just we've had so much other stuff on our plate. We had a lot of unexpected interviews. Um, but uh, Dr. Tim, it's been I think a year since you've joined us. Yes, last Halloween we talked about American Werewolf in London, didn't we? Oh, jeez. Yes, we did. <laughs> that was a year ago, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Oh, and I'm, I'm not mistaken, Brad is still trying to figure out the I'm, full I'm, moon cycle. I still don't get the whole full moon thing. It's it's three three nights of full moon. That's how it goes. <laughs> so it's, it's some kind of special lycanthrope rule, not uh, not astronomical rules. Got it. Did I tell you? I don't know if I mentioned this in the in the last when we did American Werewolf in London, but I rented that movie on Netflix to watch, and I I remember it being family friendly. Oh, <laughs> so I turned it on with uh, the girlfriend and the girlfriend's mom and her thirteen year old kid in the room, and uh, that was mistake number one. Thus hastening the demise of this uh, arrangement. Yeah, this is why <laughs> this is why I now live alone with Cat Benatar. The hygienically challenged cat. Hardly ever complains about your movie choices. God, no. Sabotaging another relationship, Steve. Dim- Dimster, how long have you been um, following us now? How long have you been uh, listening to the show? Uh, let's see. It's I got to go back to, I don't know. When did you guys go on the air? 2005. Uh, it, 2005? 2005. It must have been a year or two after that. Okay. So you came so, in during the post the post Gina Vivanetto years. I did, but I immediately went back and listened to all the old episodes. Oh, not a good move. As as any good completist would. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> so, I feel your pain. <laughs> I, I have to. It's it's. it's I really I wish. I really wish we could. Re- and we talked about this a couple times. The need to maybe go back and redo the Breakfast Club episode, if nothing else. To go back and redo the Breakfast Club episode because I think it takes more than seven minutes to explain that movie, and I think that's about yeah. how much time we spent on it. Yeah. So. Well, maybe for the uh, big ten-year anniversary, we can redo that one. Anything's possible. Anything is possible. So here's the deal: we'll each represent an album. Um, again, we're just saying these are personal favorites. We're not trying to argue anything more than that. Um, but uh, Dr. Dim, you're our guest of honor. Why don't you start first? What album do you defend from 1984? 
Well, my album choice is uh, The Replacements' Let It Be. Okay, now this album uh, was released in October of 1984. It's the last of the Replacements albums with the, on the Minneapolis independent label Twin Tone. Uh, they would later go on to Sire Records with their next album. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's a continuation of Paul Westerberg. He was the songwriter for the band. It was a continuation of his maturing as a songwriter that kind of got started the album before, well, all his albums had clever lyrics and interesting songs, but on Hootenanny that came out before this album, it started to see this guy's a little deeper of a songwriter, and then this album comes out, and you get you get a wide range of stuff on there. A uh, good sense of humor, their anguish about you know life and their irreverence to everything. They even have a song on there displaying their total disdain of MTV. Uh, the album title, Let It Be, was Paul Westerberg's way and the band's way of saying they ha- they don't hold anything sacred. And uh, he had said that uh, it was quite possible that their next album was going to be called Let It Bleed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see but, where the record company maybe said, eh, okay, guys, clever. There's a but- line, and that might be across it. <laughs> well, they were sitting around trying to name their next album, and they were throwing out names and throwing out names, and then somebody just said, Tim. Yeah, and and they said, okay, that works, and they went with it. <laughs> I will now, call him George. Now this band is from this band's from your hometown, right? Well, it's from Minneapolis. So I'm from St. Paul, so they're across the river. But I forgive them for that. The, the Twin Cities don't get along. Oh well, we do, but you know, you know back a baseball team, but otherwise, like <laughs> brothers and sisters, you're fighting on the outside. Is, every, is kind every, of a little. Is everything there really in Minneapolis? I mean, is there really anything in in St. Paul? Well, there's some stuff in St. Paul. Uh, back in the '80s, as far as as far as I was concerned, the music scene was all in Minneapolis. There might have been a club or two in St. Paul, but most of them were fairly, you know, for normal people. And you had the cool Who the kids heck are they? hanging out in Minneapolis. Yeah, exactly. But you had you had the cool people hanging out in Minneapolis, and the and the bands would had the best venues to play at in Minneapolis. So, yeah, it, it, it's gotten a little better since then. But uh, Minneapolis was the place to be in the 80s. Now, did you ever see uh, The Replacements live in the 80s? I did. I saw them twice. Uh, first time I saw them was in 1984, actually about a month before this album came out. And then I saw them again. Uh, they were actually replacing uh, uh, Robin Hitchcock and the Egyptians. He was supposed to be playing, but uh, for whatever reason, he didn't come in. And so we got the replacements instead, and we were just as happy with them. And Paul got up on the stage, and at some point he said that uh, Robin couldn't make it. They put too much ice in his tea. Um, so he <laughs> uh, That's a bucket list band to see. I would love to see Robin Hitchcock. Oh, I, I've seen him three or four times oh, now. Oh, God. And I've seen him when they got back with the soft boys. So, yeah. <sighs> Not fair. Life is yeah, cruel. Well, you know. But you so, knew that. So I Will Dare is obviously, you know, probably the best known song from this uh, album. Is there another song that you that you feel particular affinity to? Well I pick uh for my second choice, not an obvious choice, but I went with sixteen blue. This song, uh, there's two things I want to give to my son musically when he gets to be about 14 or 15. I want to give him the album by The Who, Quadrophenia, Mm -hmm. and I want to make sure he listens to this song because uh, a teenage boy should be exposed to both of those things. Uh, I think it's just uh, Paul's lyrics in 16 Blue just really cuts through what a teenage boy would be going through, and the the guitar solo that Bob Stinson puts on there at the end of the song is just something beautiful. Nice. I, I, I owned this album back in the 80s, um, and the one song that I always got a real thrill out of was um, their cover of Black Diamond by Kiss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was such a Kiss freak when I was like, you know, 11 years old, 10 years old. And, and so that's I mean, a- 
it's it's a great song from the pick up. Yeah, and it's it's the thing about the replacements was that they would cover songs like that unironically. They would just I like we like this song, so let's do it. And 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 I was surprised to hear it when I heard the album. And you own this album. You were one of the few people yeah, nobody to own this, this album. <laughs> this album because <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, you know, uh, you know, Rolling Stone ranked it at number two forty one of the top five hundred greatest albums of all time. They ranked it number fifteen of the one hundred best albums of the eighties, but it charted nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Its initial sales run was barely over twelve thousand. And now, thirty years on, they've gotten to about twenty uh, two hundred fifty thousand copies sold. Wow! It's just, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I had this. I had this one, and I had Tim. And I saw them play live in Tampa right before they broke up. So, what would that have been like ninety one or so? They broke up in ninety one, pretty so, yeah. much on stage. Yeah, <laughs> as, as well. <laughs> what I understand, as totally expected. <laughs> yeah, and and I did just see them when they uh, uh, they played Minneapolis. Well, they played St. Paul uh, just this past uh, September. Uh, first time in twenty three years they played in Minnesota, How and you- it was it was it was great. <laughs> it's probably the biggest audience they had in Minnesota in their career. Uh, they had, it's like thirteen or fourteen thousand people there, and it, you know it was just Paul and Tommy Stinson, the bass player, the the drummer Chris Mars left the band, and he just wants to concentrate on being an artist. Bob Stinson died in nineteen ninety five, and Slyn Dunlap, uh, who had taken over for guitars for Bob, he had a stroke some years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's just down to Paul and Tommy, and they had a couple other fellows that they brought in, and it was. It was fun, and it was it was a. They were a little more polished than you. Know, the thing about the replacements that I've always heard about now, I, like this would be the third time I'd seen them, but there are people who have seen them dozens of times. They said that you could either get a stellar concert where they would just be on fire, or you get a concert where they are so drunk <laughs> it just falls <laughs> apart. And 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 they they gave you just a little taste of those old days in that show where. Uh, they would do these unusual covers, uh, just like you were saying, you know, uh, Black Diamond. They did a cover of um, uh, I Want You Back by the Jackson 5. I think that's the name of the song. Oh, yeah. And it got about a third of the way into it, and then they just kind of stopped playing it. <laughs> Which <laughs> that's is, how much we know of that. That could happen. <laughs> well, why so, is it, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, So why is it you think that, I mean, they they weren't really big sellers? I mean, what what was the reason behind their – Lack of commercial success. I think from what I've read about them is they just had this natural uh, animosity toward uh, making it big. Even though they kind of wanted to make it big, they would do stuff. They'd shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, they they got on Saturday Night Live and at a time when most people watching Saturday Night Live never even heard of them. And they just made such an uh, made such asses of themselves that they got banned from Saturday Night Live. They didn't get back into Thirty Rock until they were on Jimmy Fallon's show uh, just last not that long ago, not yeah. a couple months ago. And it, it's they they would be told that there's um oh, what was what did I read they they would be uh, they'd be playing in front of uh, country music fans and they would play their most hardcore nasty stuff to just to just piss off all the fans and they'd all leave and the people that would stay then they would start playing country songs <laughs> so it's they major contrarian streak yes they were it's, it's so i well let me ask you this is that a, is that a minneapolis thing i mean is there's is that something that's indicative of bands of that era from that region that kind of uh, attitude it's uh, i it's hard to say i mean because um Who's I mean, Cardew? Prince? Who's, I mean, well, Prince. You know, Prince always did his own thing, but he, whatever, for whatever reason, he, well, he was so good, and then he just caught on and he got big. Uh, who's Cardew? Kind of, you know, they, they, they. I think part of that second tier of the Minneapolis music scene. You know, there was Prince and the Minneapolis Sound, but then there was uh, the Minneapolis music scene that was more of a uh, do-it-yourself. 
kind of a scene going around. So there's all these bands, you know, Soul Asylum came out of that, but they got big and, you know, they've, they just, you know, were carried on the shoulders of the replacements who went before them and Husker Du and then before them was uh, Suicide Commandos and the suburbs and all just building this local scene. And I, I think, I don't know, I think they just liked the local scene. Uh, some of them stepped up a little farther but uh, I think it was just such a do-it-yourself kind of thing that it, uh, it, you know, Nirvana took place in 91 or so, broke then. And by that time, the Minneapolis bands had either broken up or, you know, moved on elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. windows so, are closed. So the replacements yeah. have always been kind of one of those bands that you know, if you're a fan of music in the 80s, you're kind of supposed to like them and supposed to know something about them. And I'm here to tell you, I know nothing about these guys. <laughs> I know, uh, like, they're one hit. So if I'm going to go... What's their buy, one hit? What's their, their one, one hit, hit, Brad? Their one hit is that one song that's a hit. Um, <laughs> I'll Be You? Yeah, I'll Be You. Not Bastards. Yeah, was- uh, uh, and there's a couple off of Tim. I think I knew I was looking at the track listing. Because um, I, I would say Bastards uh, of Young would be the Kiss best. Me on the Bus. I know Kiss Me on the Bus. Or Al- they used to, no. they used well, to Brad, play that. So Brad, if I'm going to go out and buy a replacements album to learn the, the way of, so that I too can be a snobby 80s music critic and say, <laughs> oh man, I love these guys. Um, is Let It Be where I start? It's a good starting spot. It's, uh, it has, like I said, it has that, that sort of matured uh, songwriting that's gone past the, the hardcore punk roots that they started at. It's got that, but it still has their underproduced kind of feel before, uh, because they didn't want producers looking over their shoulders really. So it has that. You've got a good range of stuff to start there and, and go back, you know, go forward and go back with them and you'll, you'll find some really, really good stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to bet I'm not the only one in eighties nation. Who's like uh, the replacements. Wasn't that a bad movie about football players? Yes, it was Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yes, it was. But, oh, speaking of Keanu Reeves, the song I will dare is featured in the movie feeling Minnesota. And it's got Cameron Diaz and Keanu Reeves driving in a car, playing the song and singing to it. Huh. Uh, the movie Iro- sucked. Ironic. <laughs> that's what we call. Yeah, that's what we call ironic irony. <laughs> like playing Beach and, Boys at the beach or stuff like that. And I do have just one little bit of trivia for the "I Will Dare" song. It does feature Peter Buck of REM on lead guitar. Nice. nice. So, Brad, now that you've decided to become a snooty uh, '80s music critic, what album have you picked to honor from 1984? Oh well, as a as a snooty. Uh, snooty music critic. Uh, you guys haven't heard of these these guys. This is a band you've never heard of. Um, they're called NXS, mm. Australia's favorite sons. I want you to give a listen to uh, their fourth studio album, The Swing. So this was released in April of 84. Uh, the album release was preceded by two singles, not just one. Original Sin, which we just heard, and I Send a Message. Um, Original Sin was produced by Nile Rogers of uh, great fame. I don't have time to read all of the things he's done. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, <laughs> and the balance of the album was produced by Nick Lonnie, who got his start as an engineer working with... Anybody? Anything? Um... He was he was the one engineer in the studio that uh, Public Image Limited would work with. Oh, and, nice! And kind of vice versa. It sounds it sounded like when he uh, got the job mixing this album, Flowers of Romance, for them, nobody would work with him. So he had to do all of <laughs> he had to be the engineer and the assistant engineer. Jeez. Oh, and, and Brad, ten points for not calling them Pill. Pill. Oh. Mm, <laughs> ten pill. points. I do believe you get kicked off the show for calling him Pill. I'll, I'll take you, my ten points. <laughs> you were labeled an instant poser if you called him Pill back then. It's really? P I L, man. P I L or I just say it out. Public man. Image Limited, exactly. Image limited, yeah. I bet. I bet Daly would say Pill. Well, Daly. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah. Where is <laughs> he now? <laughs> if only we could get daily put into like some kind of robot so that you know some kind of computer based daily so we could get him to say as have I ever sports. told you my story about meeting Duran Duran on the top of the Sony building <laughs> always dance with your daughters, with your daughters. <laughs> anyway moving on back to NXS so this album did not chart very high in the United States it hit topped out at 52 but it went to number one in 
Belgium. Uh, maybe because you know waffles and NXS go together like uh, cheese and crackers. Nope, Australia. What a surprise! Uh, actually, uh, this album re-entered the Australian album charts this year uh, because there was a mini series that aired on the band's early uh, struggles as a touring bar band. In you know blah blah blah. Whatever. I didn't see it. Did that air here or was I it don't just know a- that it did. I can't stand when when um, Australia and England get this really great programming and we're stuck with The Voice, you know? <laughs> it is a struggle. It is a struggle. <laughs> so I got to tell you, I think this is their best studio album. Uh, I think it's it's produced, but it's not overproduced. Uh, it's just great bar band rock. They've got the horn line going. They've got the synths. They've got the guitars. You know, Michael Hutchins is doing his thing. They're not too, look how famous I am yet. Um, I, I just think this is a great album. So we already played Original Sin. What is another essential track that we must listen to from The Swing? I really like Burn For You. It's no use pretending that I understand the hide and seek very facts it changes on demand So, Burn For You is one of those kind of quiet tracks you can slip into a mixtape. Is it the last show we talked about romantic songs? And I chose another song, <laughs> Sting's, Sting's version of Sting's song called Burn For You, which is completely different. Was it, this, a, was it our last thing. podcast that we talked about romantic songs? I've got a burning problem. <laughs> I need to go see a doctor. Has anyone here ever had a burning problem, by the way? I have not. No, no. Okay. No, not I that a, I didn't I do have a great 80s story about all my college roommates who did have a burning problem. Mm-hmm. But we'll save that for the STD in the 80s podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very short podcast, but it's a, much, it's a, it's, it's a must listen to. Uh, scary. So do either of you have any memories of this album? When I have a vague memory of Original Sin. Uh, when we were getting set up for the show, I listened to this album via YouTube, and I went, eh. I don't know. Oh, wait a minute. I recognize this one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Original Sin was the one I recognized, but the other one's no. And, uh, that was the lead be- single, yeah. But this was an album or two before they became a smash in the States. This was the album that kind of set the stage for them to become more popular in the, the States. The kick was after this? Kick, kick was, was after two after this. Yeah. So they, the, had one, the they, swing. Had one, they had one before this that had Don't Change. And- Shabu oh, I, love that, I love that song, that's Don't my, Change. Don't that's change my favorite in excess yeah, song. Yeah, that's Shabu Shabba has, has two of the best songs on it. It has one thing and Don't Change. But right. the stuff in the middle... You know, when I was telling my wife that I was going to do this show, and she said, well, what albums are you guys going to go in? And I told her, and, and when I said uh, The Swing, she went, mm, what about Shabu Shabba? And I said, it's not 1984, Wrong huh? year. <laughs> Wrong year. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> and listen like, listen like Thieves, which followed the next year, a, a good album. I, I like The Swing better. And then Kick, just, you know, Stratosphere. Yeah. yeah. Goodbye. So it, when The Swing came out, they were still... Uh, you know they were still touring Australia. The um, this is the first album that they recorded outside of Australia. So this is kind of the beginning of their uh, their long journey away from the homeland uh, in the pursuit of dollars and popularity and selling concert T-shirts. Speaking of popularity, I guess it's going to come as no surprise that uh, for my pick, um, I have chosen Depeche Mode and their epic album, Some Great Reward. Ah, yes, we cannot, we cannot leave 1984 without talking about some great reward. And I know that uh, just Drew, when we did 1983, he did a construction time again. But in my mind, Depeche Mode begins, begins with some great reward released in December 1984. I'm on board with that. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll be happy, especially since he's not here to defend himself, to uh, throw Drew under the bus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is, a, you know, obviously... 
a very this is obviously a very successful album for them. It peaked at number five in the UK. Sadly, only got to number fifty one in the US. Uh, frankly, I'm told because of poor sales in the Twin Cities. It seems. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, that Dallas Fort Worth area. They just don't like. No, 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 sir. No. Uh, what? You mean Speaking the Quad of- Cities, Moline, <laughs> <laughs> Davenport? Yeah. yeah. I don't know that the Twin Cities didn't care I'm for them, but sure. we. We did we did like to uh, say to each other that this German industrial band called KMFDM, uh, that the KMFDM stood for Kill Mother Father Depeche Mode, uh, <laughs> which sad. it didn't, but that's what we like to say. I, I, I say we in a colloquial sense. I don't mean me necessarily because I always dug no, their song, Everything not. Counts. I always, that's uh, a that great was song. First song, I, yeah, yeah. first song I heard by them. I always loved that song. Uh, just never got way into them, but uh, – uh, the Blasphemous Rumors song. I just love the uh, chorus on that. Oh, yeah. It's a great song. It's, it's just terrific. So anyway, to me, this is the quintessential Depeche Mode album. It is the kind of album that when you listen to it, at least back then, you would take the time to listen through every track on the record. So to some degree, I have a memory associated with every track. And I'm not going to get all technical about uh, Depeche Mode and who was in it and who sang what and, and, and tell a bunch of stories. We've, we've done a whole Depeche Mode episode. I think it was within our first uh, – 20 episodes or something. So it's an oldie but a goodie. Um, well, it's an oldie where you come from. <laughs> oh, it's an oldie where we both come from, jackass. We're the same age. <laughs> anyway, um, obviously... Blas- you said you weren't going to get technical. <laughs> Blasphemous Rumors, obviously, um, huge hit because, you know, crazily dark. Um, but most people, when you ask about this album, I mean, there's obviously a couple big hits on it. People are people and Master and Servant. But the one song that to me stands out, and everybody name checks when you when you say this this album's name, is this tune called "Somebody." I want somebody to share, share the rest of my life, share my innermost thoughts, know my intimate details, and stand by my side and give me support. This is the nuclear option when you're making a mixtape. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean... Oh, God, this is it. You can't close yeah, after you, somebody. You, you aren't closing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is... Yeah, this is, you know... Everything, push every red button in the place. So it's firing everything right. you got. If this doesn't this, work, you got to put on Darling Nikki or something, uh, or Computer Blue by Prince. I mean... You have to start. I, I think at that it. point you're going to dancing with yourself. Yeah, maybe. Well, this this song had to feature in hundreds of weddings. It's, I mean, it sounds like a perfect song for a wedding. Uh, no, I, can't say I you never can't heard it. Think, that. Heard you can't it. dance to that. No way. Well, it's, no, but sure you can when they're doing the bride and groom slow dance. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all right. I've only been married once, so what do I know? Did it, did it play at your wedding? Hell no. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Proven. I'm sorry. There's this thing about the Twin Cities and Depeche Mode. See, I told you. Anyway, supposedly the urban legend is that Martin Gore, uh, who sings this song, it's one of the few songs that he sings, he reportedly sang it in the studio completely nude. Ooh. So, huh. Where did that rumor come from? I don't know. Probably Wikipedia. That be a blasphemous rumor? Oh. oh. See what well I did played. there? Tricky. Yeah. Or someone who claims not to know this band very well. He's hey. sharp with the tongue. <laughs> pretty sharp for a dim guy. Hey. Uh, you said we could call you dim. That's true. You can. Okay. But you know here's what? I, the thing, here's the thing I wanted to mention is I think you put this song against Lie to Me, and it's this great kind of two sides of the. Two sides of the coin. Like, on Lie to Me, there's very cynical. Like, look, uh, you know, I'm in it for me. You're in it for you. Um, that's fine. And then you get to this really tender somebody, and I, I just I think that that um, 
that juxtaposition, if you will, is really interesting. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting too deep into this for stuck in the 80s, but I, I, that, I always like that part. You wow, know, Gore, Martin Gore has a decent voice. Any any idea why he didn't sing more songs? No, not really. Just as wasn't his thing. I, I'm sure the Depeche Mode fans out there screaming into their <laughs> he was the principal devices right now. How did you not do why? No, well, I, I don't. I don't. I, like I said, I don't want to get technical about it. I just want to talk about an album that meant something mm-hmm. to me. To me, to me, I, I there's very few bands that I really took the time to like get to know every little nuance of um, even Oingo Boingo for the most part. I, I couldn't tell you that the, the living history of that band and, and mm-hmm. or they might be giants. And, and I don't think there's two bands I loved more in the eighties than those two. So it's just one of those albums that I can, I can remember where I was the first time I listened to it. I can remember how I felt. I can remember wanting to immediately move the needle back and play it again. And in my mind, that's what makes a great album, but you know what makes a great podcast the Seggies. And now, our newest segment, What Makes Spearsy Cry. I did my best, but I guess my best wasn't good enough. Because here we are back where we were before. Ah, we're really throwing people for a loop today because we never do what makes Spearsy cry as a segment anymore. And now we're leading off with it. What do you think, guys? I think it's. I think it'd be good to find out what makes you cry. I'm in. <laughs> I always look forward to it. We already know what makes Spearsy thirsty. There appears to be some sort of nasty rumor going around that I might be drinking during this show, and I want to no. say it's, that hurts me. Uh, this time, the letter comes from our old friend Carol Jansen, who writes. Uh, Brad, take it away. Oh. Uh, should I read this in my voice or Carol's? Uh, please do yours. Oh, okay, good. Thank you. <clears throat> Hi, guys, including anyone from the Twin Cities who might be a Depeche Mode hater. <laughs> yeah. that, that might that yeah. might be some editorial license there. Mm-hmm. While doing my household chores, I like to listen to music on my iPhone. You know, who doesn't? Today, a song came on and it struck me just how truly sad the song is. Surely it must make Spearsy cry. It got me choked up enough to stop and write this. So tell me, does this song make Spearsy cry? It's okay, Steve. Yeah, okay. You'll, you'll be all right. It's Don Henley. <laughs> I know. The I know. heart of the matter. The heart, the heart of the matter makes anybody cry. If you, yeah. if you take the time to listen to the lyrics, yeah. Unless well, it like, makes me cry when I'm hitting my fist against the oh, radio knob to turn the station. You don't but like other Don, than that. You can't appreciate the niche that he had. The, the little niche. He doesn't. I'm not saying you know elect a mayor. <laughs> uh, I think what, ombudsman, maybe. Uh, what yeah. about uh, maybe? What about head janitor? <laughs> okay. Something I like. You know, it's a it's a moment in time. Well, you know me. I'm, you know me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we do. I like the replacements. Okay. Yeah. Well, it seems the replacements aren't on Carol's iPod. We, we need room for. Well, oh, Carol all types better put some on there. I, I saw Don Henley in concert on this tour in the 80s. I think oh, maybe it was the 90s, I guess. And um, it was a free concert. It was a free concert. It was like a $5 concert, which at the time was insane. But it was the it's the famous episode. I think I told this story on the show where we – it was a horrendous thunderstorm and we drove to the stadium and we – Yeah, you told this story recently. Yeah, it got stuck. You know, it flooded out the car and we had to walk like five miles. To see Don, so when you have to walk five miles in the rain to see Don Henley, you have a little bit more appreciation for him. But it, it is a sad song, so that's that's a 
Bonus points, Carol, for so making nice it. So nice going, Carol. Yeah. Way to bring us down. I guess I'll just take this drink I poured and just toss it in the sink now. Uh, don't, don't do, do that. that. Anyway, um, as always, we want your let uh, what makes Spiracy cry. Just uh, send us an email to sit80s at gmail.com. Hey, it's time for another uh, 80s cruise update. We don't have a better name for this Seggy yet. But uh, you're going to hear a lot of it over the next uh, 16 months, I gather. <laughs> so uh, as we as we told you during the last podcast, um, there's an 80s cruise called The 80s Cruise. And it's in February, late, late February of 2016. How do you think they came up with that name? That's pretty clever. So I suppose that 80s cruise has already taken us a URL. Oh, that was yeah. my big idea, my, my moneymaker. And, you know, so they usurped me. Um, anyway, the point being, so there's this amazing cruise coming up, and it's in February 2016. You heard me right. You've got 16 months. And it features, uh, Don, uh, features Don Henley and, Does not. and Depeche Does Mode. Not. And, and in excess of in excess, <laughs> and if we're gonna play the an eight by ten glossy of Michael Hutchins. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I really did I was... say I was gonna say Don Henley out of out of just sheer <laughs> stupidity, but um, it features Huey Lewis, um, Wang Chung, Modern English. Oh God, Cool in the Gang, Cool in the Gang. Uh, a lot and, and more to be added. And so it's a really amazing cruise. It's out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It's on the Holland America Euro Dam, seven nights. Um, and the entire cruise is 80s themed. When you're in your cabin and you turn on your television set, the only thing you can see are 80s TV shows and 80s movies. Every night is a theme night. So there's an 80s prom night. There's an 80s movie costume night. There's a neon beach party. The entire thing, it's total immersion. If you go to the arcades, nothing but 80s arcade games. Mm, total <sighs> immersion. So we, we mentioned this on the last podcast, and, and we've got a lot of emails about it. It's, it's not our cruise. Someone else is organizing it. It is um, – We're happy to take credit, though. We're happy to, to tell you about it. Also on the cruise are many of the original MTV VJs, Alan Hunter, Mark Goodman, Nina Blackwood. And I think it's co-sponsored by Sirius XM's 80s, Big 80s on 8. So the one thing we have to update you on this week is that it's official. Steve and Brad are going on this cruise. Woohoo! All we're right. Sh- we're sharing a cabin. Uh, and a really? blanket. And a blanket. <laughs> yeah, I like little buddy. I like to snuggle. Yeah, exactly. I would love if they had hammocks put in. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> But uh, I am told that there is a queen-size bed that breaks into two individual beds. It's going to break into two, all right, if you and I are on it. <laughs> I'm going to bring a saw. <laughs> I'm bringing a saw. Either that or I'm sleeping on the balcony. So allegedly we have a deck a, chair. Yeah, we have a balcony cabin, I'm told. So, uh, so here's the deal for Stuck in the 80s. Um, uh, Stuck in the 80s patrons, friends, listeners, um, you get a special back-to-the-80s rate – until May 31st, 2015. And that's much longer than that rate is available to any other person. You'll have to go to their website. It's um, www.the80scruise80scruise.com and it'll show you all the prices, the full price and then the back to the 80s price for all the different cabins. So, I mean, it's it's everywhere from a uh, inside cabin with no porthole at the bottom of the ship all the way up to like the penthouse. So, you know, whatever you feel like doing. Brad and I will definitely be there. There's supposed to be a dedicated meet and greet cocktail party for Stuck in the 80s, so that could be cool. That's going to be fun. Just be, it'll be wild turkey served exclusively. <clears throat> I got to work out that deal. I talked to the brewery. Seriously, you got to talk to the distillery about that I one. I should get $5 every time I mention that. Um, and then now through February 28th, 2015, any person booking a cabin through uh, Stuck in the 80s will be given a free one year subscription to Sirius XM Radio. That's pretty nice. Now, there's probably – here's the piece of the puzzle that's missing. This is why we get to do this segment again next week. <laughs> um, I'm assuming there's some sort of uh, uh, offer code that yeah. you have to give. I don't have that yet. Uh, but that is what is supposed to be available to us. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. 
I I just picked up um, Sirius XM Radio earlier this year. I never had it before, but I, I got it. And all I listen to now is Big 80s on 8 and First Wave. I don't I don't listen to anything else on my radio. I love it that much. So definitely a great perk. And that's that's worth at least, what, 120 130 140 bucks right there. So cool, huh? It's uh, It just keeps getting better. So here's the stress is that uh, uh, Brad and I spend like every waking hour tr- under the pressure of knowing that Whatever costumes we come up with better be pretty freaking cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't usually plan my vacation 16 months out, but apparently uh, I, I'm going to this yeah, time. Yeah, because we're going to have to uh, – we're going to try to bring it along some swag. Some yeah, yeah. swag. No, this is going to be fun. I'm really excited about it's it. Yeah. Can we talk, are we going to be able to talk you into this, Dr. Dim? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, all the heavy breathing, I'm guessing it's a no. Yeah, it's that slow intake through the teeth. Not for probably, everybody. Probably not. Have you, ever been on, have you ever been on a cruise? I have not. Okay. So you, you don't even know that you necessarily like cruises I, as a vacation option. I don't. Uh, you know I've you been don't. A, <laughs> I don't know that I don't uh, like them. It's just uh, probably not. Sorry. That's okay. It's sounds like it'll be great. What do you guys wearing costumes for? Well, we figure we have to go. If, if we if, have if, to go incognito, so that our public will give us a minute oh, to yeah, right. enjoy a, a refreshing <laughs> beverage. Know, Never mind, Mark yeah. Goodman and, and Alan Hunter. There's Stephen <laughs> Brad. <laughs> yeah, those guys will be saying, yeah. "Why are you two giving all the attention?" The, the Brad-centered universe is yeah. a very lonely place to live. I assure you. Um, here's the interesting thing: is I think if, if the two of us are on the ship and we're sharing the same cabin. I think the pressure is that we have to go in costumes that are, you know, thematically aligned. Right. Goose and Maverick. In addition Blues to brothers, being mathematically you know. satisfying. Right. It, it, we have to, they have to be related. You know, theoretically, mm-hmm. the same movie or TV show. Actually, it's a movie costume, so it has to be a movie. Yeah, each day you guys could come up. Totally with shot my idea of going as Facts of Life, by the way. <laughs> I, was, I was totally going to be Mrs. Garrett. You make a great tootie. <laughs> that was my nickname, by the way, in college. That's yeah, for a, a completely different reason. <laughs> so anyway, if you want more information, you need to go to. Uh, I mean, go to Facebook. They have a Facebook page um, for the the eighties cruise. There's a Twitter account. If you go to the Stuck in the Eighties Facebook page, which if you haven't by now, you should because we update it every day. Go there because we'll post any news that we have. And if you still want more information, um, drop me an email at sit80s at gmail.com. And then when I find out information, I'll email you personally. But you can't, you cannot book through me. You, you have to go through the website. But hopefully we'll have that offer code soon. In the meantime, we'll be right back after this commercial break. There's a brand new bubble gum in town. Name a Hubba Bubba. It's soft, juicy, and delicious. Best of all, Hubba Bubba lets you blow great big fat bubbles that won't stick to your face. <laughs> bubba Bubba! Big bubbles? No trouble. <laughs> you Bubba 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 Gum. It's a lot. 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 Hey, we're back, and we have time for one more discussion upon which I'm sure none of us will agree. Uh, I pose you the question Is there one successful album from 1984? That you personally would throw out of our discussion and never have it among your personal great albums of 1984 series. Uh, Dr. Dim, since you can no longer throw out Depeche Mode. Yeah, I can't? No. We've uh, already talked about it. So. That's Very right. Books. It's too late. Name, name a 1984 album that you don't ever want to have included in this series. Bon Jovi. Oh, they're uh, Self-titled Dave first album, please. It has Runaway on it, right? Oh, I don't know. It's got a bunch of crap on it. Such anger in this one. I don't like that album. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of Bon Jovi. Friends of mine and I, we took to calling him John Bovine. Just a, oh. you know, just a thing. A Minnesota thing, maybe, perhaps. He's not a bad actor. No, and and actually, there's 
been a song or two in his later career that I thought were okay. Yeah. But uh, his 80s stuff, uh, yeah. I mean, I know you get lots of fans that probably like mm-hmm. Bon Jovi, but I just don't. There's no real particular outcry. We did a, I think we did a Bon Jovi <clears throat> podcast one time. I think we, Daly and I went to see Bon Jovi perform in Tampa probably five or six years ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's 80% women. The other yeah. 20% that are there are reluctant dates. <laughs> and, reluctant dates. And, That's a good band name. Yeah. And, and the smell of – but it, the smell of beer that's spilled on the floor by the drunken women in attendance is just like – towards the end of the night, it became like this intoxicating like uh, chemical weapon because <laughs> Dale and I were like in the very, very top of the arena where the f- press box was. I think we watched some of the show in our seats, but then we went up to the press box. And just like drunken women spilling beer all over themselves and screaming their heads off for all the hits and then sitting down whenever he played something off the newer albums and stuff like that. It was real. And then he would just – if he ever felt like the energy in the building was dimming too much, he would just turn around and shake his ass. And then everyone would be like, yeah. <laughs> So that was about – that's my extent of my feeling about Bon Jovi. Uh, Brad, what album would you pick from 1984 that you never want to honor in this series? Well, I'll tell you what. I went through the list of uh, the list of albums released this year. And, you know, I'm I'm pretty live and let live guy. I get it. People like things I don't like. But uh, the one that, that jumped out at me is just the ultimate cheese that no one ever needs to hear again is Chicago 17. Wow, what's on Chicago 17? That's that's a big one. That's Peter Cetera's last album. Oh, the great. And so it's got like Hard Habit to Break and Along Comes a Woman. Oh, I love Along Comes a Woman. You're insane. You're the inspiration. Oh, Oh, that's bad. I mean, that's talk about weapons grade stuff. That's weapons grade emetic. You will vomit all over your car when that comes on the radio. Aspirate. You'll have a reversal, as they say, in the competitive eating. Oh, they really say that in competitive eating? Yeah, no no reversals. Yeah, if you have a reversal, you lose. I didn't know that. That's good to know. Changes my career plans dramatically. (laughs) Um, I'm going to infuriate our last three or four uh, Madonna fans by picking uh, Like a Virgin. How dare you, Steve? I I don't don't care for her. uh, Really? No. What's wrong with Material Girl? Isn't it on there? It might be. On there, that's on that album, isn't it? I, yep, yeah. I don't believe know that this. Album. All right, all right, all right. Believe this or don't. Believe it or don't. Now, this is 1984. Yeah. I'm in art school. Yeah. I'm a music snob. Yeah. <laughs> I hate everything that's on pop radio. Oh, keep going. I bought <laughs> Tell this me album. More. I uh, bought this album. Ironically, I, right? I ironically. Owned, no, I owned it. I don't know why. I owned it for a while. And I think cover I, picture. I think I ended up throwing it away in shame. You know, I think oh. maybe you're right. <laughs> it, it, I, had, like, it maybe had a good song on it. I just I'm so tired of her, and I just yeah. I don't I don't ever want to have a discussion about her again. I, I know. Well, I'm, I kind of came so, out of retirement sorry. to say that. Yeah, you you brought that one up, so I think we get to have at least a short discussion <laughs> about it. I know you don't like her, but I, I think you have to at least respect her ability to kind of reinvent herself and, no. and, and keep keep herself. Keep herself going. No. Yeah. Well, you know, her her ray of light, I like that song. No. And, uh, I Beautiful too. Stranger, the single from the uh the uh, Austin Powers, the first movie, Beautiful yep, Stranger. That That's a good. great song. Yep. And she has a couple things that are she's such know, a other than whack her boobs job. that are worth she's well, okay. such a yeah. whack job now. But, but being being yeah. crazy being crazy is an asset in that. No, well, it is, it is today, but it shouldn't be. It should be well, it should be punished and not rewarded. But when when I there was a time when I would write blog items every time she did something stupid, which means I would write about her about once a week. And she would do stuff like show up at a film festival and demand that no one's allowed to look at her. Everyone must turn oh, around right. and face the opposite yeah. direction. Well, what that's, kind that's of banana crazy cake. is that? That's banana cakes. I, I mean, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying she's a wonderful person, but I, I think that you ignore – her and her influence on pop culture in the 80s at your peril, Steve. Oh, no, yes. no. I, yes. No, Steve, you got to be able to no, no, separate no. the totally artist agree. from the art. Well, I separate. I can separate the artist from the following decades because she went wackadoo in the early 90s yeah. and never came back. I can't so, believe I called Madonna an artist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the one who's drinking. I'm going to have to put that Let It Be album on again. Yeah. <laughs> 
when the replacements the next album is called Like a Virgin, we'll talk again. <laughs> there are no sacred cows as far as the replacements are concerned. Oh Ooh, that would be tough. That would be a rough one to come back and do that one. Anyway, hey, this has been fun. It's it is now as we speak, early November. The chances of us uh, reconvening for one more of these seems uh, dim, for lack of a better pun. <laughs> You mean, um, you mean I, I might have missed my opportunity to highlight the classic Devo album Shout? Yeah. Oh, I thought I. <laughs> you no, know, going through the no, list of eight, no, 1984 albums. I'm thinking, is Brad going to manage? Yeah. You know what? I, I like that album, but even that makes me even rare amongst Devo fans. Yeah. You know, so. it did cross my mind to put that on the list of great albums never to talk about. Well, but Ooh. see, you, the, you, you, there's a big mistake there because it's not a great, not album. A great album. That's see, that's and that's yeah. why yeah, that's the I hard part. I think we picked. I think we picked three good picks for that, and I also yeah. think we chose three great albums to honor during the regular show. If you disagree with us, I invite you, please email us at Brad in the eighties at gmail dot com. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to really lay into Brad at bradin80s@gmail.com as the official for, show for his odd pick of taking probably the most forgotten and disregarded in excess album and honoring it today. That's a big mistake. I think people <laughs> need to be exposed to it again. We'll see. Just like you'll love it. Just pull like it up I, on Groove Shark and listen to it. If you yes. don't like it, I'll double your money back. Yes, yes. Just like people need to be exposed to pneumonia. Anyway, uh, Doctor Dim, I appreciate you. I'm sorry it's been a year. We won't let that happen again. Oh, it's been great to be back. And Brad, uh, let's remember, I sent you like three or four emails today about matching Speedos, and I have yet to hear back from you. Well, I'm trying <laughs> to decide which color neon uh, flatters my I think we should go with. Um, I think we should go with the Apollo Creed and uh, Rocky ones from Rocky Ooh. 3. I think, I think um, something like that might work. So. Will we have a foot race on the beach? Yes, because there ding, is no tomorrow. Ding. There is no tomorrow. Anyway, along with Brad and Dim and not Madonna, we remain here hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a class of 85 production. Please listen responsibly. We play burn for you now. Quack, quack, quack.